RadioInfluence.com. What up, folks? Another episode of Talking Schmutz. We are in Tampa today. Dignitary headquarters. Got B more with me. What up, what up? And uh, fresh off Super Bowl weekend. Interesting weekend, to say none of the least. Big up to the Rams. Would have loved to have seen the Bucks um, handle business, but unfortunately, they didn't make it that far. <laughs> but we do have some good news. We have a very intriguing guest in the v- in the building this uh, this evening. Been trying to get him for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Finally able to coordinate. We have the owner of Crowbar, Tom DeGeorge, in the building. How you doing, Tom? Good. How are you? Real good. Real good. Glad to. Uh, definitely glad to have you here. Um, man, we got a lot to talk about. So, uh, fired up. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's do it. I have nothing to hide. No, I know that. That's what I That's love about it. Yeah, exactly. Because I, yeah, I know I'll it's going to be a very. I'll say everything. You know what? Yes. Love that. Love that. So, what brought you down here? Because aren't you, if I'm correct, you're from uh, Western Pennsylvania? Yeah, I'm originally from Erie, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. um, which is over by um, Lake Erie between, uh, you know, Erie, Buffalo. Um, that northwestern portion of. Yep. Over there, and then um, around, I want to say, 98, mm-hmm. I went down um, and got the um, general manager position over at the Masquerade in Atlanta. Um, I had done an internship at the Olympics in 1996. Oh, wow. security out there. Um, I was a criminal justice major with a minor in sociology and I went out there to do that internship. And when I was out there, I was like, man, this Atlanta is pretty dope. And, um, went to a few different clubs. One of them I went to is a masquerade. I was like, man, I love this place. So when I graduated, instead of going into my major, I was like, I had already been working my way in school, bouncing at clubs and stuff. So I said, well, let me put out some resumes. And um, I put out about 30 resumes out there. And the one place that got back to me was the masquerade. Nice. Crazy how things work. And I had never had a GM position before. I had done head of security. I had been floor supervisor stuff, but not a GM. But I went in there. They they sent me out there and I interviewed for two days. And they liked what I had to say. I was only a 24-year-old kid. And they gave me an opportunity. And I always tell people that that was like the best paid internship I've ever had because... Masquerade in Atlanta, when it was over at the old wood chip mill, Excelsior Mills, was, you know, they had one room that was 1,500 cap, a dance club room that was like 800 cap, a side pub that fit like 150 people, and then they had an outdoor music park that we could put like three or 4,000 people out there, and sometimes all four of them would be running all at the same time and they'd be like, go ahead and handle it. <laughs> so, I mean, I got, this I, I, learned, so much. <laughs> I learned what I was doing real fast. Yeah, you, know? you did. So, um, they, um, you know, it's funny. Cause like I said, I was only 24 and, and the home offices were there. So once a week, all the owners, myself, the head booker, marketing person, we'd have to have these meetings. And I was always feeling like they were micromanaging me, which is funny. Cause like I said, I was only 24 years old. <laughs> But like, I'd be like, you hired me to be the general manager. Why are we discussing this stuff? And I would get real upset. So, Oh, you were candid with them too? Oh, yeah. yeah. I've been like this right. for a long time. <laughs> so I'm very consistent. And they were probably like, why do we hire this kid? But I think, you know, I mean, there were stretches where we would have 80 dates in a row. Whoa. And I would work every single day from the moment I get up till I go to bed. So I think that at least they were like, but he's a worker. You right. Know, like, he works. So... We had the manager here cancel and um, because the masquerade used to be where the Ritz Theater is. So we had the the manager here uh, quit and they were basically like, you want to get out of here so bad? Do you want to move to Tampa? And I was like, I'll leave right now. (laughs) So me and my dog dog got in a U-Haul and came down here and then I ran the one here for, for five years till it closed in 2006. So you were good with the company. You were just you were was you just overwhelmed with with the Atlanta location? No, I I wasn't overwhelmed with it. I actually I would have stayed in Atlanta, but you know, it, it's a great opportunity. To, to me when they ask you when they say, "Listen, if you feel like we're micromanaging you, we have another club down in Tampa. Somebody just quit. We need somebody to go down there. Perfect. It'll be like your own place. Um, we're still going to call and check it and stuff, but it'll be like your own place." 
And for me, for somebody who wanted to get to a point of owning his own venue, mm-hmm. I felt like that was the best opportunity I was going to have. Yeah. And so when they asked me to move, um, I had just broken up with my girlfriend at the time. I had no reason to stay out there and I was trying to grow, you mm-hmm. know? And so I came down here and I, I started fresh. There you go. Wow. And look what it's transpired into. Yeah. yeah. So after Masquerade, that was 2006. Then what was your next move? Well, we closed in February 2006, and then I opened up Crowbar in October 2006. Very nice. Damn right. So, And so, for those who don't know Crowbar, Crowbar is a staple in, in Ebor. It's, um, it's a music venue, and it caters to... Everything. Everything. Yeah. Everything. Everything. Um, so when you first started out, what was your format? Were you were you a rock bar? Were you were you a club? Like what? No. Oh, so you've been in the same location? Because I didn't come here to 2008. And so you were you guys were already well, open. Crowbar's always been where it was. Same location. Okay. So, I mean, like I said, the, the, the eight years I was with Masquerade, I took it as a learning experience. Sure. So when I got to the Tampa location they were trying to make it more like the Atlanta location. And that was one of the reasons they wanted me here because they knew my focus was on the touring industry. You know, I liked the live bands. I liked when DJs would come in dance club stuff's great too. But for me, I I like dealing with different people every single day. There you go. Brings in a different crowd every single day. And so, um, you know, when they had me over here, um, we were trying to transition into that. Um, but what we found was a lot of people were like, oh, well, that's the, you know, they do hip hop on the Saturday. And then it's like, other than that, it's a scary music place. And yeah, they, a lot yeah. of people pigeonholed Ass- assumptions us on that. Yeah. to like just doing metal or doing goth. And we were trying to do jazz. We were trying to do blues. We were trying to extend out, but we had already had a stigma of what people believed us to be. And so when I opened Crowbar in 2006 and I did the media circus, the first thing I said was, we're going to be a music venue, period. We want to host all types of music. I won't be opposed to to doing comedy or or anything. You know, we want to be the type of place where we could have a hip hop band one night, a metal band the next night, a stand up comedian the night after that. And the night after that, a, a, a Sunday market where there's retailers out here. And I just stuck with that from the beginning. I didn't let anybody pigeonhole us into anything at all. And I think it worked, you know, over the past 15 years, we really have hosted just about anything you can imagine. And nobody's ever surprised, right? You know, nobody ever goes, well, that's going to be at crowbar. Never. Because, because (laughs) it's different every time. And I, and, and I also think that, you know, to, to our, um, Um, to our credit, mm-hmm. when we do do that, not only do we pull it off, but everybody there feels like they're at home. Exactly. I have never, no matter what genre of music it is, I have never had anybody say to me, I feel good to be here today, but I know that this isn't normally the place I would be. I feel like anybody who comes into our place feels like they're at home. It never feels fake. I, I, I have to agree with that. When I, when I first moved here, it was 2011. And I have to agree with you. I, I did hear that that assumption and that stigma. And then once I went there myself, it was drastically different. I felt like I was at home, just like you said. And I feel like I've gone to multiple genre shows at your place. And no matter the crowd, everybody's comfortable. Everybody feels, you know, settled. It's never that whole, like, eh, I don't know, we'll see kind of vibe. It's always like we're settled in, great service. You never... You never really get that from the original assumptions years ago. But now I feel like you don't have that at all. You do have that uh, open format venue reputation now. And yeah, good job, man, because I've never had a bad experience. Here, oh, my goodness. Ever. And and ODS, how long has it been running now? How's ODS, I think we're going to be, I think this year is going to be. The 11th? I think it's going to be 12th. 12th year? It's up there. This year? Is it? I was there for I the anniversary. Shirt, scratch yeah. bastard. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, this yeah. year is going to be. This year is either eleven or twelve. For those yeah, who don't know, ODS um, Old Dirty Sundays is an event. I believe it was. Start, I know Casper started it as well as Lesage, right? It was Casper Lesage. It was actually Blenda was the first person who contacted me. Nice. And he said, "I know these guys. You got to meet them." And it was Blenda. Lesage, Casper, and Mega. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mega too? He, mm-hmm. Yeah, It was right. the four of them, and they came in, and originally when we started it, 
Um, first of all, when they explained the concept to me, I loved it because I was like, nobody's really doing anything like that. Nobody, mm -hmm. you know, I, we're not like a club night, right? You know, we're more of like a community based mm -hmm. hip hop night that celebrates the DJs and the culture and the music mm -hmm. and then brings in all elements of it. It's almost like a backyard barbecue. And that's, yeah. that's the that's dope exactly field. That. That's, that's a great way to describe it because yeah. if anyone hasn't been there, um, hip hop is, is normally, you, you can't pigeonhole it. Hip hop is, is essentially a gumbo for lack of a better term. Cause it, it contains elements of rock, uh, jazz, disco, mm -hmm. um, you know, so and house music. So when, when you go there, it's almost like soul train or, you know, cause there's a dance circle and B boys and B, B girls get up and different DJs. They have there uh, so many different eclectic DJs and it's just a dope, dope vibe. Always compared to like a New York rooftop party. It just kind of has that, that home feeling. It's a great feel to, to get it. Away. And, yeah. and there's always like, they always bring in the rawest talent. Um, what are some of your favorite shows that you've had there for ODS? I mean, honestly, Anytime we bring in a guest, I enjoy it. But for me, I, I like it when we have our normal Sunday. Yeah, you really? Know, I, I really, you know. The usual suspects. The that, usual suspects, yeah. you know, because, um, and and there have been too many great guest DJs to even. Such a, such know, a like large list. When we list. did Z-Trip or DJ Scratch. Scratch um, was amazing, yeah. Or, you know, obviously when we did Talib and Most Def. That was um, great show. Red alert. <laughs> you know, I could tell you that, you know, it, not only Casper, but Deacon, um, we have contributors, people like DJ Sandman. That Sandman's say, hey, amazing. You know, this is going to be coming up. Um, those guys have all always done a great job of keeping their pulse on what people want to see. But when we even just have a normal Sunday, I, I really enjoy it because all the regulars come out no matter what. Right. For a normal Sunday, they're going to come out. And even if we're not that busy and it's not translating into making a ton of money, the vibe is always great. Always on point. Because the regulars know exactly what the night's about. And, mm -hmm. and we can, you know, when we have a bigger guest or something like that, I pride myself on really being on point with the crowd because you don't want anybody disturbing what that vibe's supposed to be. But sometimes you have mm -hmm. to work really hard on that when there's a guest because it brings out a lot of people that don't come every single week. Exactly. Right? So and they're new you to have the, to basically new. educate them on this is a different kind of night and there's certain things that are not acceptable here that would be in a club type setting like requesting things or jumping yeah. up from behind a girl and okay. you know, trying to grind on her like, bro, you can't chill, do yo. that here. Thank this you, is chill. not the meat market. Thank like you. people are trying to, these women are trying to chill. They don't want you rolling up behind them, you know? So no requests. Yeah, um, I love that. But yeah, you know, so when it's, when it's just a normal Sunday, we can let our guard down a little bit, but you know, it's, fat, fat it's all good to either fader too. Fat shout out to fader. Oh Yeah. <laughs> You got, For you, sure. got, you got to love him. The man, man himself, man. yeah. Oh, man. He he knows every genre of music and spins them all perfectly. And I mean, Tony and I have known each other. Um, he was my DJ at Masquerade. And that, that was going to be one of my questions. Or how many <laughs> of these relationships started? Did a lot of these relationships start at Masquerade? I knew Blenda. I knew Fader, obviously. I knew Deacon. I, I didn't know Casper and LeSage. And I don't think I had ever met Mega either. So those were, that's why it was Blenda that said, I wanted you to meet these guys because I already had history with Mike, yeah. you know? So, but when they came in and they pitched everything to me, the only thing they said that I was like, that is the dumbest thing I ever heard was I said, well, what do you guys want? And they said, well, can you give us 10% of the bar? And I was like, so you can make $20 a piece. I was like, there's four of you, you know, if we're trying to start this thing and I give you 10% of the bar and we're only ringing like a thousand dollars you're not going to make anything and then this isn't going to last. So I actually gave them more than what they were asking because I wanted to invest into it because I believed in the concept that they Man, were talking about. I yeah, love that. Respect, that's respect it it right would there. have never worked if I would have just paid them 10%. I yeah. know that. Right. 
because it wouldn't have been enough to keep them there to right. sustain them. So that's yeah. I mean that's smart because it helped get off the ground. But I've never heard an owner say that. In, in no, all my I was, years I was trying this. to be humble and be chill as not like, say that, but I've what? never. What? Yeah, it, it's pretty. It's <laughs> pretty far in between that somebody wants to go ahead and give you more than what you're asking fucking for. Right, no but now look, look how it played out though. Yeah, fucking yeah. things still up and running. Damn right. Well, you know, with something like that too, if if you're trying to build something that's going to be ongoing, mm-hmm. you know, now we look at it. It's twelve years later. You're in a partnership with those people. Yeah, it's different than if they're just asking to to come in and do a one night one off, yeah, or something like that. Then maybe I would have said, sure, let's do ten percent or something like that because it's a one time thing. But but you knew this was going to be a long term yeah. relationship. That's what I wanted yeah. to yeah. be because yeah. I really like the concept. Yeah, damn you know? right. And uh, I thought if we're going to do this, we're all in with each other. You know, so this is what we got to do to make it work. And you know? man, I'll tell you what, uh, I went there with P more the night that uh. I got the, I call it the rite of passage. <laughs> like when I got, <laughs> they're like, hey, Casper, we were at, I was working with Casper at Water. And I've done other gigs with Casper, a good friend of mine. And I wasn't even expecting, he goes, hey, so when are you going to do ODS? I'm like, what? <laughs> so we came up with a date. And then uh, I was nervous that night. And uh, even in the car on the I way. I was just going to say you were nervous. No, bro. And, no, and nervous. It's understatement in the car. He was very like, nervous. By the time you saw him, I'd, I'd calmed him down a little bit. Yeah, oh, my God. Well, I got in the car with B-more. And we're sitting there, it's quiet. You think I was going to a fucking funeral. And I was just sitting there all quiet. I'm like, fuck, man, I don't know. I don't know what to do. He goes, you need anything? So we stopped, grabbed a couple tall boys. I'm pounding these things. And I didn't know what direction I was going to go in. So I had like a few different directions in mind. I'm like, all right, fuck it. And then, then I get there and see you. You're like, you fucking nervous? I'm like, oh, damn it. I'm like, yeah. It was pretty visible. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. visible. Like, was it wasn't, I yeah. man. And your, I, your poker face sucked that night. But bro, like, I'm never pretty, nervous. Uh, I'm never nervous. I had to give you the pep talk. Yeah, yeah. you did. I we know you had to the pop on. <laughs> but no, I, that was, it's very rare that I'm ever nervous DJing. And, and that night, just because I know what it's about. And to me, it meant a lot, you know, so I appreciate you guys having me. But I was just like, oh, man. And I just, you know, after got, someone fed me a couple shots, I came to a little bit. And uh, but it was a great experience, and the week before that, it was like Scratch Bastard was there for the anniversary. So yeah. I was just like, man, how do you follow that up? But uh, it was a great experience, and it's something I'll cherish. And damn, I hope it'll be back Likewise, soon. You know. Yeah. Um, but now we have this big thing going on in Tampa, as we all know, and I know you're um, you're very in tune with the community. What's going on with this noise ordinance situation? It's funny. We're all, we it's all follow your page you just for literal updates, like your it's, news it's and funny shows. You mentioned that because they actually, <laughs> um, today they did a citywide meeting from six to seven. It was virtual. That's what I was doing before I got here, where anybody could join, and they want to get input from people now on what they think about the ordinance because you know there was a lot of backlash when they first you know tried to push it through. And what were the rules previously? Well, I mean, previously it, it was 85 dB from the front door. There might have been a couple other things in there. It was very basic, but the problem that they were having was there was no real level of enforcement for it. Like they would go and then give a warning, and then you'd come back, and then people would adjust. And then, you know, a couple hours later, they, people started timing it. They would know when they were coming. But, you know... It, noise ordinances are tricky, especially in an area like Ybor City, because we have a lot Reverb. of street tra- traffic and noise like that. I mean, there were times that they had come to check me, and I would be over, and my music wouldn't even be going. You know, and I would oh, tell them, like, listen, I'm in between bands right now. There's nothing even going on in there, and you're saying I'm 87 dB. So that's not even a fair reading. If you have no like music I said, playing. it's really yeah, tricky for like an area like Ybor City. And so that's why I think, you know, when when the city tries to push something through without um, contacting and getting advice and um, the opinion of business owners that are familiar with how these type of things work, I think they make a bit, big mistake. Yeah. And that's why they got so much pushback. So they kind of like took a step back said they were going to have these city meetings and and also have district-wide meetings. There's one for Ybor City on February 23rd. Um, And then they were going to take those points into consideration and try to come up with a more reasonable um, ordinance. But they did that city meeting today. And there's about 70 people that showed up. And um, 
about 20 minutes into it, somebody hacked into it and they were putting all kinds of shit. No, it was a total disaster. (laughs) And so I had to like, even though they said not to put, the only thing they told us that they wanted us to put in the chat is if we wanted to talk to say, my name is so-and-so and I would like to speak. And I had no intention of speaking at the first meeting because I had already called and talked to city people, mm-hmm. gave them all my input and said, listen, this is where you're going to have a problem. This is what you should be doing. So I had already talked. So my plan was to sit in on the meeting and just listen and see what other people had to say and you know, use that. So when I went back to the, the Ebor meeting, I would have more data and more intel. And like I said, it turned out to be a total shit show because somebody hacked in and the city couldn't figure out how to stop them. Man, I was so which is embarrassing as hell. It really is. Wow. Like I told my wife, I was like, if it's that easy to break into one of these, what if it was like a private city meeting where they were discussing like really serious Something stuff? Safety. Like Same. I mean, city it totally disrupted the whole meeting, and you could tell from the videos that were coming up, and then you could hear different people's voices like saying things that I won't repeat what they said because some of it was really, really wow. Um, racial epithets and yeah. bad, nasty things that I was like, man, this is totally inappropriate. Um, but you could tell it was young kids. And I'm like, man, these young kids can get in here. Who else could get in wow. here? So I, finally, I left in the chat. I just said, love to talk to you, Captain Owen. Love to talk to you, Carol Post, because that's a city person. I'll see you guys in Ebor. This has been interesting. So yeah. what, they, what do you think they're <laughs> going to do next time? Just hold a live meeting as opposed to... A virtual one? Uh, they'll probably try to make sure it's a little bit more hemmed up, I'm sure. Yeah. Test or, or, it a little bit better or something. I don't know. Or you could have them here. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> All it takes is like one person to leak the link to that. And yeah, that it was person's bad. God yeah. damn. So what do you think the outcome's going to be? Any idea? Well, I mean, this is probably... The noise ordinance comes up, I swear, every couple years. Yeah. Like the, I've been, I was dealing with the noise ordinance back when Masquerade was when I was at Masquerade. Yeah. So I've been dealing with the noise ordinance every other year since 2001. Well, um, who's complaining? Is it the natives in Ebor? Because I wouldn't think that they would complain. Well. I mean, you move there. Well, I don't I think it's the that. people that come out to Ebor. L- listen, the, the city's growing. And what happens is a lot of areas are gentrifying. So a lot of people move to Ebor knowing that the clubs were there, but now have a problem with the clubs. So you got neighborhood association people that. that are moving in, that came in from other parts of the country that move here because Tampa's growing. Northeast. And, and they want to rewrite um, the rules. And they want to rewrite the rules. But they want to also, you know, developers, you know, this whole, um, that they want the ballpark, which they, that's What the fuck's another that going to do for noise? Uh, uh, that's exactly. I mean, <laughs> that's noise, but that, that's my whole point. Sometimes noise ordinances are not there for what they're saying they're being intended for. They right. can, you can utilize a noise ordinance to help gentrify an area, to change the footprint mm-hmm. of an area. Because like you said, if they get, and they, they, I remember one meeting when I was at the Ebor Chamber of Commerce, they were like, it is very important everybody calls it a ballpark because they said that sounded more historic. They didn't want people calling it a baseball stadium, which is exactly what it is. They don't want people calling it a baseball stadium because that sounds more like gentrification and it sounds very, very expensive and it sounds like tax dollars. So they told people, let's call it a ballpark. It's a baseball stadium. It's going to be loud. (laughs) It's going to have a lot of traffic. 30,000 fans. It's going to be a cluster. And on top of that, when you unveil, um, plans for the baseball stadium and show that there's going to be a hundred and plus businesses inside of it that are bars and restaurants and other things. And that you want to have that stadium open year round. The big picture of things when the developer also owns 75% of the buildings in Ybor city is that eventually those other places that they're not giving long-term leases to are going to get kicked out so they can put more residential over there and more office space and more things like that, more high-tech um, buildings for the tech developers. And so different businesses that are in Ebor that they don't own their building and they have these short-term leases, if they think that that ballpark or stadium is going to bring them any business, they need to realize that they probably won't be there by the time exactly. the stadium comes in. And that it's also going to raise their property value, even though they might not see any of the business. I mean, certainly as a concert venue, 
a stadium right next to me does not help me. It, it makes it extremely difficult yeah. for tour buses to park. I already have enough problems trying to park the tour buses. God, there's some narrow um, streets for that. The traffic is trouble. Um, mm-hmm. Concert goers that are spending $20, $25 for a ticket are not going to want to drive into a district that is overflown with traffic already because there's a baseball game right down the street. It's just, you know, and it's, I just don't think it's very well thought out other than the fact that somebody with a lot of money, that's what they want. And they've purchased all these other parcels and their vision is all that's happening right now. Um, it's like a whole blueprint for gentrification for Ebor right now. Just right there. I mean, the other thing I'll tell you is, you know, we, we've had a little bit of rising crime in Ebor and stuff like that. And if you do your homework and you look around the country, this usually happens when areas gentrify. Yep. Because what happens is while they're gentrifying in the intern, like I said, you get these guys and because they have these plans for the future, they don't want to do learn long-term leases. So when Ebor was its most successful, it's this melting pot mm-hmm. of small business owners with a passion that want to be there, that want to contribute to their community. So people come in and they go, oh my God, this is great because you got all these great spots that are all doing something a little bit different. It's a different flavor. Right now in Ebor, all the good places are getting forced out because they can't give them long-term leases because they won't do it. So if you're somebody that wants to invest a ton of money in a spot and they tell you the most we're allowing a lease is five years, I'm out. You're not going to do it because you're going to say, listen, dude, I'm not going to drop all this money. And then in five years, you're going to tell me I'm gone. Yeah. So you go somewhere else. The people that come in that understand that their, their time's on the clock, they're coming in for a buck and that's all they care about. They don't care about the area. So they're going to do whatever it takes to make money. And if that means that they're going to bring in people that want to fight and do all kinds of crazy shit, they don't care because they realize this whole district's going to change in five or 10 years anyway. Absolutely. And I'll be gone by then. So all I care about is myself and, and make it as much money as possible. Same thing with the exa- exact and I mean, same that's ex- thing. And that's yeah. exactly what yeah. happens. So it bothers me when I go to these city planning meetings and I hear people stand up and say, Ebor is a problem right now. The crime went up and this is happening. I want to look at them and say, that's because of the fact that you're trying to change it. If you would have left it alone, we had everything under control. You know, and it's just, it's, it's just unfortunate. I mean, are you, at, are you at liberty to say that in these meetings? Can you just, I, I mean, say it, I say it. <laughs> I would say it in interviews. Um, I say it when I send an email to the city to let them know, like, this is not right. This is a problem. Do you think um, they're really going to play ball? I know they want to, I know they want to real bad, you know, and I, and I honestly, I don't understand it. I think they're making a horrible decision. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to not only screw up Ebor, they're probably going to screw up um, all the good that they've done with downtown. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think it's a very bad idea. I agree. And I think it's unfortunate that there's things that I love, but I can be objective and go, you know what? I love that, but that just does not make sense for this area. Mm-hmm. People that are like, well, I just want it because I want it because I love baseball. You're a dumbass. Because it, it's not going to work. And you're willing to sacrifice all these small businesses and all these people that have put in all or this time Tampa, yeah. to help make Ebor special. The other thing I can tell you is this. We host bands from all over the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, all over the world. I've had bands that come in. Every band that comes in to Ebor City for the first time Listen to this one close. If anybody from the city is listening, the first thing they say is, oh, my God, this is the most special area. I wish I had something like this in my city. They even say it on and stage. I honestly don't know what is wrong with the, the not just this mayor, but a lot of the other mayors we've had, the city council, that they do not understand how special Ybor City is and how they should be protecting it. It, there's nothing like it. Do any of them? Gonna, do, but let's be honest. Do any of these? I don't. I don't want to call them names. Do any of these uh, cats really get to experience Ebor? Do you think these politicians really go out there and get to? They do. Really? They do. Some of them really come out. Have they been ODS? 
I don't think any of them have been to ODS, but I have had a lot of them come to concerts. Really? There, there's some of them that like to sit out in front of King Corona and have cigars. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them go to the Columbia restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, so why do you think they're, I mean, are they following the money? Is money. that why mm-hmm. the money is what's making the decision for them? I will say something that will get me in even more trouble. I, well, let's not get I, you in trouble. I believe, well, I don't care about it. <laughs> nothing they do to me. When you have development, Mm-hmm. I think you get to a point where the developers are running your area. Um, there's a lot of growth in this city. That's popular for a lot of people. It brings a lot of money in. A lot of these people donate to campaigns. Um, and so I believe that the, just the writing's on the wall. Once they let people in and these kind of things happen and there's no regulation set up to stop them, sometimes the most popular thing because they know they can't stop it is to say, we think this is a great idea, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, but it, it's a bad idea. Just off of the support for their campaign alone. Right. Cause yeah. they know they're going to get, you know, they're going to get some sort of kickback or getting a, you're getting a back in for that. Yeah. Oh, son of a bitch. Damn. Well, I, I really hope that doesn't take place. No, well, does, do you guys own a rent at crowbar? We rent, but, I could tell you this you too. You just signed I, a new lease a long I just signed a new lease, but I'm not renewing after that. That'll be it. We oh. will be closed in 2026. Wow. Um, I didn't know that. It's four more years. And people go, oh, that's a little while. It's four more years. But wait, wait, wait. You mean like no more? Yeah, that'll take us to a 20-year anniversary. Wow. So, so they already told me that after that, because cause that's the whole thing. Like, like I said, whether the ballpark happens or not, um, a lot of these landlords, because it's in a everything's in a fluid state, are not doing anything longer than three or four years anymore. So, my landlord is actually a great guy, but he's also a businessman, and I understand that. And so, what happened was during the pandemic, when we were going through um, the Save Our Stages stuff Oof. that we could talk about a little bit, whatever. But when we were doing that, I knew that because nobody had provided any funding for businesses like mine. So myself and those other business owners around the country um, under the umbrella of the National Independent Venue Association fought day and night advocating for federal relief for our rooms. We said, we need money to survive or we are all going to go out of business. And then we had to show them that what an impact that would have in our different cities and in our different states, because the arts, you know, if we lost not just rooms like mine, but performing arts venues were ready yeah. to go out business, zoos, museums. Um, and that's what we, we ended up getting that done and getting the, the um, largest arts bill in history passed, which was $17 billion. Wow. Um, and that's what saved right, all these yes, places. Right. That's badass. Well, that's what saved all these places. So, and that was the premise of saving our stages. Was that was to save our stages? Was to our get stages. this funding, right? To to make sure we'd survive because, you know, in you know here in Tampa, um, Governor DeSantis shut us down for like seven or eight months. Then he said, "Well, you can open back up," and so everybody was like, "Oh, Florida, right. free state, blah blah blah." What people don't realize is in Florida, we got no funding at all. Right. So. In in a, a in the liberal states, these rooms that were shut down for like a year and a half, they paid them to stay closed. They gave them money to survive for that time period that they were closed. So, yeah, we were allowed to open, but the tour industry was non-existent. So, right? It, how'd you me, how'd you pull that off? How'd you manage? Because that was a tough time. Which I, I wouldn't have been able, I wouldn't have survived if we didn't get the federal funding. True, sure. yeah. you know, but but that was the thing. And then DeSantis, everybody saying, "Well, it's a free state. You're lucky to be here. You're allowed to open." And my whole argument was like, that would be like if I was a restaurant, I had no food to serve. Um, the opening us was just a scam, so they didn't have to give us any money. Right. Oh wow. You know, so so sorry, but Governor DeSantis isn't a nice guy either. How'd you get it? How'd you get it passed so fast? Because I would think that you would have so much. Political and it bureaucratic so red tape. It took us like eight months. And, we and worked day and night, and then it took another, almost another year. Some places are still waiting for their money. God damn. Wow. Um, so it was a very, very long process. But through that process, what happened was, and this is back to my landlord, once you get the funding, you had to agree to stay open for two years after that. 
to spend the money and then show them what you spend it on or else you have to give it back. <laughs> so, well, it was all written in because we had to help write the bill and stuff. So what I came to realize was I was talking to people that had fallen behind on the rent and while they're waiting for the funding, their landlords are kicking them out of the building because I don't know if you remember this, a lot of the times our mayor and the governor were saying, Florida, come to us. It's We're open. Mm-hmm. Where do you think these people are going? So you have business owners in New York and L.A. that are moving their businesses down here. And what happened was people that had been out here and having successful businesses for five, ten years were now getting kicked out of their businesses and losing their businesses to people coming um, here. Coming here. Wow. So I talked to my landlord and I said, listen, I'm not going to miss a rental payment, but when I get this funding, I need you to sit down with me. I need you to extend my lease because if you don't and you end up and my lease runs out and you end up selling this building to that developer, I'll still be screwed. I said, if you extend my lease, you help protect me. But you're incorporated. Did you sign a personal guarantee? What's that? You're incorporated, right? So in the event, let's say if they cut your lease and you had to dissolve the business, how would you still owe that money? Would they come after you personally? Because you would dissolve the corporation essentially, right? Yeah, but you still, you, 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 you're personally liable for the money either way. Well, yeah, I signed it. I mean, it's one of the partners has to sign it. So yeah, I, I would, but the whole thing was I didn't, you know, you fight for that money I want the opportunity to spend it so I could save my business. Yeah, damn right. So, like I said, there was people that fought and fought and fought, and then they were waiting for their money only to find out that they're getting kicked out of their building. And then those people ended up, you know, out going out of business. God, wow. damn. So, long story short, I just had to make sure I was covering my bases so I could get to the point I needed to get to. Um, the 20-year mark was my thing. I was like, if you could extend this just so I know I can go out on my own terms— mm-hmm. Um, I'd appreciate that. Man, we want you around. Do that for I'm me. being selfish as fuck right now, but we want you around more than 20 years, man. Well, you know, nothing's for, nothing's forever. And honestly, I look at what happened over these last two years, and I myself being in brick and mortar is tough. Sure. Um, I looked at what happened, and it really changed my opinion on um, being your own boss if you're actually really your own boss or not. And then it made me think about. Um, venues like mine and does it make more sense for me to transition into other parts of the business, but it also frees up time for me to continue to advocate for rooms like mine. So 10 years from now, um, you're running for office. I'm not in a situation. No, no, no. (laughs) I'm not in a situation where we don't have rooms like mine around the country. Yeah. You know, I'm really concerned about that, that if you look at everything that gets built now, um, most of it is Condos. Armature Works, uh-huh. Sparkman's Wharf, these multi-use centers where they build these little hubs and- Bunch of different vendors in there. All the young entrepreneurs that would have went to their own spaces, but there's no spaces left. Right. So we're transitioning into a time in this country where eventually you won't be able to open up your own business. You're going to be beholden uh-huh. to any developer that opens up one of these big, huge areas, and they're just going to sell you a little booth. A lot of the times, eventually, they steal your concepts, too. Oh, damn. The cafeteria you know I mean? model is really popular I'm telling you, right now. It's really city. popular. Yeah. You see it in every city now, but you also hear a lot of horror stories about yeah. it. Yeah. I just went to Miami and they had a big cafeteria and they were saying verbatim, which you just said that. I mean, I won't say, and all those people that open them aren't necessarily bad people or have the intent to steal the concepts of the people that go in there. But at the same time, when we see what's happening with property in different markets and who's getting the property, and, and just where things are going with the country, it, people should be extremely concerned yeah. that the American dream and people actually being able to not only own their own business, but own their own house yeah. is in jeopardy. Our housing market here in Tampa it's, it's is completely out yeah. of control. Oh, my goodness. But nobody wants to talk about any of these things. I think it's going to bottom out like it did in 08. 
It has to. I don't see how. You know what? I'm going to tell you why. How are we going to sustain this for for so long? We're not because what happened is the richest one percent, the developers and the billionaires, have figured out any time they can figure out how they can make money, they engorge it all. And right now, it's in property. You know, mm-hmm. that's what they're doing. Everybody's buying a property and then people's rent is doubling or tripling yeah. overnight. I can vouch for that. I can vouch for that too, yeah. sure. It's, it's insane, just um, cost of living in every aspect because of it. Um, from rent all the way down to just simple, you know, what you're ordering for food on a normal basis. A lot of my, you know, like regular daily stuff has just gone up. That's that's bought locally. So it's just kind of insane. Well, domino effect. We're all getting screwed there. Yeah. Um, I mean, hopefully the inflation at least will, that will probably level out. But the property stuff with the housing and business market, I think is a big problem. That's so right scary. Now. Like even rent, I, I had to move shit. I moved to Siesta Key and I'm still paying, well, no, Sarasota, but I'm right I'm paying fifteen hundred a month for a studio. Yeah, I mean, granted, I love my location, but that's just a studio. And I'm looking at what some of the houses are going for. It's extremely problematic. And honestly, I wasn't. It, it's no offense to anybody. I wasn't aware of a lot of the stuff either. When you become basically an advocate overnight, and we were dealing with um, a professional lobbying firm, Aiken Gump, and we were meeting almost every day, and then talking to them. You just start to figure a lot of stuff out. You go, oh my, I didn't realize all this. I didn't realize the government worked like that. They're doing this. And so it just opened my eyes to a lot of things. And, you know, you just realize you just go, well, shit, you know, we got a lot of trouble right now. We got a lot of problems. Sure. And it's all happening while people are all focused on other things, you know? Um it's easy. So, so tw- I'm, I'm going to bring it back a little bit. So 2026 is your 20 year anniversary, you're saying. Mm-hmm. And the grand finale. Yeah. So do you have do you have plans going forward? Like, is there like a plan that that Tom has in his pocket or is that just, was that like your your kind of a, your original number from jump? Like, I'm probably going to try to reach this for a while and then. You know, just, um, you know, take care of business with family or, you know, the people are going to ask. So I'm, I'm curious myself. Yeah, no, what. I mean, I always kind of looked at it like that. I wanted to be open for a long time yeah. be open at least 20 years. Once you go for a while, though, you do start looking at it and go, what's what's my next move? Yeah. Like, what am I doing here? And for a while, um, up until the pandemic, I was looking at different spots with a couple partners because I was going to try to open up like a 2,000 or 3,000 person venue. Damn right. And because I thought, well, you know what? I hope you're still kicking that around. There's nothing. Way. No way. Not, not <laughs> that shit. I'm telling you. You did masquerade in Atlanta. <laughs> no, no, no. You yeah, but come I'm on. Telling We're talking you, like 6,000 people. But it's the, the listen, work into when, that. when you go through what I went through, when you sit there and the government steps in and says, uh, we are shutting you down. Right. And we're not going to freeze any of your bills. Right. You got to pay a hundred percent of your bills. And it that's was crazy. a bigger nut. That's a bigger nut to crack too. I mean, size. I was spending $15,000 a month on my bills while I was closed. And people are telling me I'm shit out of luck. You know, the mayor's saying, yeah, you guys should really figure something out. Maybe you should get a coalition together and proposition the state. And I'm thinking we're all going to go out of business. Right. Like, meantime, this is yeah, crazy. Yeah. And you're ordering us shut. Yeah. You can't and let the economy take freezing right. our bills. So you can't make money, but, but we still want our money. Well, my whole point is, though, it, like I said, around the country, we saw <coughs> small business owners getting forced out of their spaces. Some of it, I do believe, was by design. I mean, Absolutely. you, if you're, if, I, I always tell people that the pandemic was real, but opportunistic people stepped in and said, you know what? This we can time. gentrify faster <laughs> Yeah, and we're yeah. going to put these people Thank through the you. ringer Thank yeah. you for saying and that. we will thin the herd on the small business owner. And the rich got a lot richer mm-hmm. and, and, while and everything look, happened. And guess what too? And you know, no big box store stores got shut down. Um, None of these other places got shut down, but all the small business owners got shut yeah. down. The reason why they could do it to us is we have no rights. We have no rights at all. And they let it happen. Mm-hmm. And not just here in Florida, all over the country. Well, and, and my exp- my personal experience with it, and I'm glad you said it, is because I noticed that 
it seemed that certain locations um, that I would play at in various counties were blatantly getting targeted um, for for the no mask thing. But then what would happen is uh, they would say code they meaning code would call your business owner up and say, hey, we, we have enough infractions where we can strip you of your liquor license. Well, how many infractions is that? Five infractions. Well, when do we get them? And then they give you random dates. They don't give you a description. They don't have anyone sign, say, hey, Mr. Manager, Ms. Manager, this person created this infraction sign here. They just give you random. They say, oh, well, you had five. And they give you random dates, and then they would just strip you of your liquor license. So certain places in downtown St. Pete and other areas, they lost their liquor license. They couldn't sell past midnight. Like, they had to stop selling booze at midnight. And it's like, it was all by design. Well, they also, I mean, the, the, how do you set up restrictions and then, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have any code enforcement to enforce it. So if you're in an area like me, a cop can't come in and tell you, Hey, you know, people have to do, you're not code enforcement. You're not ATF. You pull me over. We can have a conversation. You can't come in here and tell and set an expectation level. Well, my whole point is it, you better have enough enforcement then to enforce it because if people like me mm-hmm. are like, okay, no problem, I'll follow the rules, and right next door people right. are doing whatever they want. That's not it's even not playing fair. field. It's not so even then we would call the city and say, hey, listen, you know, you're telling us people have to be in their seats, people have to wear masks, but there's no enforcement anywhere. Where's fucking enforcement? So, and then they would come out, and if you were, in, you know, all of a sudden you get popped knowing damn well. That the person right down the street been doing whatever the fuck they want yeah. for the yeah. last two weeks. Well, yeah. and that that frustrated me because for a while, a lot of my establishments that I would work at, I couldn't work at. But then, I had some friends that come down from New York City. I went to a strip joint, but the strip joint was the open. The strip joint could be open because they fell under the loophole. There was no no. They never covered the gentlemen's club. They didn't, and it's like I, I don't even understand. It's fucking that. ridiculous. Well, I think that's because a lot of dirt transpires, and like, come on, politicians <laughs> go to you know strip clubs. Uh, honestly, it. I thought some of it was actual corruption and some of it was just you come to realize that people don't know what they're doing. True. Like a lot like of people legit just, just legitimately loopholes that they're just like, oh, we didn't even think of that. Like mm. a lot of it was just a mess. Well, I mean, I, even I had an establishment where at this point you couldn't have a defined dance floor is how they put it. And a female was standing up and dancing by her by her chair. They literally w- picked her up and walked her out because she was dancing. I hopped on the mic. I had to say something to the cops. Meanwhile, the cops had no masks on. Yeah, <laughs> they sure. were walking her out for dancing. I'm like, come on, man. So I hopped on. I was like, hey, constable, when was the last time you broke up a lap dance? Pablo, stop talking. No, I'm not yeah. going to stop talking. And that's it was like it was just it seemed like a blatant attempt to attack the small guy, you know, because. Uh, it just, it just seemed like a blatant attempt. I don't want to seem like a, a conspiracy theorist, but... It was just very poorly done. I mean, I, I could give you a thousand examples of how poorly it was done. I mean, how on earth do you tell the bars, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to open because this isn't suitable. You let the restaurants open after like three and a half weeks, and then you allow the restaurants to have DJs, to have bands mm-hmm. playing Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You know what I mean? That that was what really bothered me because I was like, it would be one thing if you said the restaurants are a lot, like, in, like if you said the restaurants are allowed to open, but you got to be a restaurant. You can't have any form of entertainment the food because we just want huge. people sitting yeah. and eating. Right. Yeah. But, and I would have been, I would have understood that, but they let the restaurants open. And then while we're closed and our hands are tied behind our backs, Restaurants that never had DJs there, never had bands there, started doing it. Right. So and dirty. I thought this is bullshit. Yeah. yeah. And nobody did anything about it until we complained, complained, complained as loud as we could, and then finally they started cracking down on some of these restaurants that were basically being bars. It's a damn shame. You that's, know? that's horseshit. And I don't, you know, it's it's not the restaurant's fault because they're saying if they're going to let us get away with it, they're going to let us get away with it. But it's the city's fault for not making sure that what we were doing was done properly. You know, and that hurt a lot of people. That hurt a lot of small businesses that had no option to even open. So how's all of that going now as as of today instead of like, you know, 2020 in the middle of the pandemic? How are 
how are things swinging now? Are you still getting some sort of like slight code enforcement that's left over from that? Or is it just everything? You know, no, everything there's no going? code enforcement anymore. That shit stopped probably when Super Bowl was here. Like yeah. we haven't had enforcement for a long, 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 long time. But Super Bowl wiped all of that out. It was just yeah. like, well, the money's here. So, you know, let I it think ride. Too, I think once that happened, they knew like that there was a lot of news stories that came out. Mm -hmm. I was on a bunch of them where <laughs> the, they were like at the Super Bowl area, like, Oh, it's so safe here. Look at what we've done. And there's a mask washing thing. And then they'd come to Ebor and we'd be like, look at this bullshit. Right. There's people everywhere. They're telling us we got to be at 25% capacity and there's more people on the street because they came and fit inside yeah. our businesses. I mean, we were on national news for that. People yeah. were calling me from other states, from the, the national independent venue, like the other business owners, and they're like, what the that fuck? That video of Main, is the going main on? Strip went viral. They couldn't yeah. believe it. They were like, because <laughs> a lot of these other states, they were completely shut down. And so when we would be on our calls, almost every call at the very beginning of the call, there'd be 40, 50 people on there from every state and they would always start with Tom, what's going on in Florida? <laughs> they always want to know about Florida and how are right. you surviving out there? Dude, you yeah. guys are crazy. And I would tell them, I'd be like, listen, it's just completely, they're handling it completely different out here. And, and people thought we were fucking crazy. You uh, know, well, <laughs> it was like the wild west out here for it a good, a good year. Like, yeah. Yeah. So moving forward, what, what do we have planned for crowbar? So, I mean, I know you have a timeline here. Well, I mean, like I said, that's the thing. I want to wrap it in 2026. Um, I did, you know, once we were able to secure that federal funding, I wanted to put a large chunk of it into improvements. So purchased a brand new light rig for the room. I've made upgrades to the sound. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I told somebody this the other day, and I don't care how it sounds. I'm not going to limp out on the 2026. <laughs> I want to, I've, I've made it very clear, you know, I didn't, do all this work I did over the last couple of years just to survive. Now nah, I'm coming swing your for junk blood. Around. Yeah. Right. Now I'm coming for blood. So I've told everybody and I right met time. with the ODS guys uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I just said, listen, I want these next four and a half years to be the best years we've ever had. Oh shit. Because when, when I shut the door for the last time, I want, Everybody crying. I want yeah. people sad. I want people devastated. Shit, I'm, bro, I'm already there. Right there. Right now. <laughs> I'm already there. Right um, Shit. Want to go out with a, you? Want to go out on top? You know what I mean? Like Brady when he won the Super Bowl. Sure. He should have just retired after that. That's yeah. yeah. You, you, you think he's really done? You, you think think retire on top? I don't think he's done. Uh, he might show up somewhere else. I think he's going to show up somewhere else. You don't think Prince goes to the Niners? Why not? Salary cap? Yeah, uh, yeah. If anything, he ain't going he to He might do something, though. I mean, who knows? I, I hope but he I comes mean, dude, back here. You won. I mean, you know I'm a Steelers fan, too. Right. Mm -hmm. Die hard. So it's hard for me to admit this because the Patriots, <laughs> if it wasn't for Tom Brady and the Patriots. Oh, you guys have so many rings. We probably have five yeah. more rings yeah. right yeah. now. He yeah. I, 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 I purposely didn't wear anything Ravens tonight because I know you're a Steelers fan. I'm a Raven. <laughs> Both of us are living that struggle. Who on earth? I mean, he won Super Bowl. In your first year with a new team in their city, in your city, right? Bow out then. Goodbye. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that that's why you're right. That's probably why he's not done. Because if you aren't happy with that ending, you're probably never going to be happy. He's right. probably going to try to play till he's seventy years old. Damn right, good for him. I'm so, not mad. At same it. thing with Donald um, for the Rams. You think I think he's done too? Didn't he announce that he was going to retire? And then he, but after that, I mean, he had a good he had a good showing this year. Yeah. They could you know they could make it again. So we'll see. But, but then, yeah, I think, you know, aside from the, like I said, if we close in 2026, um, well, when we close in 2026, my, my plan is to um, transition into other parts of the industry um, and continue doing the advocacy work I do. That doesn't mean I want to run for office, but if, if you have a voice and, you know, anytime anything happens now, mm -hmm. the media, I mean, I get every station calling me asking me, what do you think about this? So damn right. if, if you have a voice, you need to use it. I want to protect other small businesses. Um, and, and I want to protect our industry. So if it means I transition out of brick and mortar to focus on other parts of the industry, like artist development or, um, 
Well, we need a big voice. I mean, this this sector definitely needs a big voice. So if you're going to be yeah. advocating for it, I'm I'm in full support of that. Selfishly, I want you to keep going, but I respect that. I'll be I think around be no matter voice. what. <laughs> I mean, you're all, you're pretty much already the voice. When I hear about something that's happening in Ebor, the first thing I do is go to your page. So. Yeah, right, because you know he's got the intel. Yeah. At the same time, while I'm, I'm sad to hear the news, I'm also excited to see where you're going to go with that. So that's, yeah. that's, that's also good news for everybody else that they're actually going to have somebody that's going to stand up and speak for them. Well, that's not, that's not really representation. Right yeah, yeah. Quality representation. Always, people have always asked me, like, and everybody's different. It's no disrespect to anybody. Like New World Brewery, they, you know, when yeah. they couldn't be in Ebor anymore, they've opened that location yep. um, up towards, um, off of, um, I can't street, the street. Bush. I can't it's off yeah, of Bush. Yeah, they're it's off of Bush now. That was a Springs. shock to me too. And now Orpheum's also going to have to relocate yeah. because they're out of their spot. But anybody, when stuff like that has happened, of course people then always say to me like, hey, if something happened, if you couldn't be at your spine, where would you ever put crowbar somewhere else. I've always told him no, because it was the same thing when I ran the masquerade in Atlanta and they moved from Excelsior mill into underground Atlanta, great facility in underground Atlanta. And, and they're pulling it off or like the hub, the hub switch spots. But for me, I think it's for me, crowbar is always going to be in that spot. Yeah. If I was actually going to continue, I've told people like if I opened up something else, it, I would, but it just wouldn't be crowbar. You know, because I just don't, I I think it's too hard. Leave it where it is. Yeah. Especially coming out of Ebor. Yeah. Ebor is such a special place that I think if I relocated and and was in a totally different building and tried to call it Crowbar, I just don't think it would So it was branded essentially, essentially for Ebor, Crowbar was. I just, I mean, if, when I look at all the memories in that place, and honestly, the only, you know, when I moved to Tampa in was in Ebor City. I fell in love with Ebor City because, sure. like I said, it's different than anywhere I've ever been. Ebor needs and so I just, I just think it would be really hard to do to say, oh well, this is Crowbar now because we've just had so many great memories there. There's been so many bands that have come there. There've been so many great experiences with Aldery Sundays and Decipher and and all the oh, different things right. we've done. Yeah, I love Decipher over the years. That it just wouldn't feel the same. Um, have you had some of your favorite bands? Cause I want to end on a positive note. We want to get to know you a little bit. Like we want to know some of your, like the Mount Rushmore for music for you, whether it be, you know, it could be IE rock hip hop. I mean, I don't know if I, you know, there was, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the last waltz. Negative. So Martin Scorsese documentary, um, about a band that was called the band that, when they did their last show, they had all these different people perform with them. And the, Scorsese filmed it and did a documentary about it. And we've reenacted that mm-hmm. a couple times with different local musicians. And when we did that, we did it at Crowbar. And then after that, we ended up taking it to the Palladium. And then after that, we just did it most recently at the Strath Center. But that night we did it at Crowbar. It was like all my favorite local musicians. I got up there and did a couple parts for, for where they did some poetry reads. And I went up there. And to me, that night was incredible. But as far as the touring stuff, um, it's hard to say. Yeah. Because sometimes, I mean, and once again, I've been in this industry for 27 years. So you get to a point where you you care more about the, the interaction with, with the person, mm-hmm. the conversations with that artist that you might end up having yeah. at the end of the night if you've pulled things off successfully um the fan experience um and just the the job part of it of executing the event to the best of the ability where it really takes importance over the music itself i agree you know so there's been a lot of times where people are like oh my god wasn't that show great and i'm like i wasn't really focused <laughs> on that part you of never it, you really know? know what's going on with the show but you know about yeah. everything that's going on with everything else yeah. and i've i've i'm in passing literally asked you like man did you see that set you were just like no nah, i missed it but i did i was here 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 yeah. here here here, here. where's yeah. a lot of hats yeah a, lot of moving a parts bunch there. of hats <laughs> but yeah we've had i mean the, the other concert there's a band called battles that performed there one year that that was really good. I mean, tomorrow um, we have the band Under Oath that normally they play to like 3,000 yeah, people. Yeah, and I've stadiums, been talking yeah. to them 
I started talking to them a year ago about doing this because they did this one other time for us on a secret show. So anytime we can do something like that, where it's like a big, big, big band that normally wouldn't ever play a room that small that, that they're doing it yeah, because we've been around for so long and it's, and it's a cool thing to do. You know, that's always fun. Um, you know, Oh, well, we love you for it. We appreciate that. Um, let's drop your socials. It's uh, we have Crow Ebor, mm-hmm. right? Crowbar Ebor, well, yeah, Crowbar Ebor. And that's for people who don't know. That's uh, Ebor is spelled Y B O R. Yep. And then what <laughs> else? You have um, you want to plug Save Our Stages as well? Yeah, Save Our Stages. I think that's Niva N I V A. It's Niva dot org. So it's N I V A. S-S-O-C dot O-R-G for Neva. Anybody wants to look into Neva and save our stages. You have a couple um, of benefits coming up as well soon? Well, the Under Oath show tomorrow is a benefit. And then next, or actually this Saturday, is Pink It Up 13, which is Ska Band's. Mm-hmm. Um, Love Ska. And all the proceeds go to breast cancer for Morton Cancer Center. Really? We do a lot. Is of there is there a way that stuff. people can donate um, online? You know, if they can't make the show and they just want to donate to a good cause, is there a way they can donate online? I'm pretty sure if they go to the Pink It Up event page yeah. on Facebook, yeah. that there'll be a link right there for Morgan Cares. I'm, I'm actually Center perfect to the something. notes so we can have that when we post this episode. Right. So. Ladies and gents, um, I appreciate having you here today too, Tom, by the way. No problem. Uh, Be more Mike, big up. Radio Influence on behalf of the team, as well as myself, Don Pablo. Peace, God bless. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Later.